0: Okay. I don't agree with you. You're. Uh, she, she would be
1: here, right?
0: Yes. I think they're
2: going to talk about what the statue authorized.
0: I don't, I don't by the time I get done the first They don't yeah, Oh sorry.
1: All rise, the honorables, the presiding judge and judges of the Court of Appeals of the state of North Carolina. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, the Court of Appeals is now in session. God save this state and this honorable court. Be seated.
3: Good morning. Welcome to your North Carolina Court of Appeals. My name is Judge Kristill, and I'll be presiding today. To my right is Judge Lucy Emmond. To my left is Judge Hunter Murphy. Morning. We have Court Marshal Richard Rimmelart here, and, and our clerk, Gene uh, Soares, here. We have one case on the calendar. It's Greer versus Greer. And if the appellant is ready, you can proceed. And let me know if you want to uh, reserve any time. I sort of pay attention to the clock, but if we start asking questions at the very end. Uh,
0: yes, Your Honor, I, I appreciate that. And by all means, uh, ask questions as you so desire. Uh, I would uh, respectfully, Your Honor, like to reserve five minutes for rebuttal. Okay. And um, to the court, uh, thank you for being here this morning. I am Seth Glazer from the Mecklenburg County Bar on behalf of the dependent appellant. Uh, this is my first time uh, in front of this fine establishment, so I hope not to butcher my time up here. I have so. never stood there, so that's, that's <laughs> fair good. enough, Your Honor. Uh, so, just uh, as a brief introduction, um, and I, I assume uh, shouldn't assume anything, but I imagine the court has read through some of this. But uh, we are here with respect to really whether or not a trial court in the state uh, can award attorney's fees related to a finding of criminal contempt uh, related to child custody um, and. In this particular case, the attorney sees order, which was dealt with separate and apart from the criminal contempt hearing, uh, was a final judgment. And so appeal was proper uh, from our standpoint under 7 27 b And specifically with respect to the case in front of this court, the defendant appellant, my client in this case, was found in criminal contempt uh, for one out of three categories of violations that the trial court had laid out in the contempt order. Uh, And essentially what she was found in violation of was withholding the minor child from the plaintiff appellee, and as a result of that finding of criminal contempt, the trial judge, trial court in Mecklenburg County, hit uh, Ms. Greer with an attorney's fees award of $25,000. The original request for attorney's fees was a little over $41,000 plus fees for the parenting coordinator, and the trial court in this case determined that $25,000 was a reasonable amount of attorney's fees to award the plaintiff appellee in this case under what was essentially 50-13.6, in my opinion, pigeonholing an award of attorney's fees under criminal contempt under a civil chapter 50 statute, 50-13.6, and I'll get into more of a discussion on that briefly uh, in a moment. But the three- Question about
3: jurisdiction real quick. So um, It is criminal. So normally, criminal contempt is to superior court, and you and you're saying this is different because it's attorney's fees award. But you're saying the attorney fee statute doesn't apply. So, is your argument really that this is a sanction that the court cannot give for criminal contempt?
0: Uh, that, that is essentially,
3: I, I would say yes. The argument is that the criminal contempt the criminal contempt statutes do not allow for. So let's say I get convicted in district court of some misdemeanor, and the court gives me 20 years, which is totally inappropriate, but. Um, but I don't really want to challenge my conviction because maybe I got convicted of some less recluded offense. What do I do? Do I go to the, do I go to the Court of Appeals and say, hey, 20 years violates the law, or do I, is my remedy to go to Superior Court and have a trial to know that?
0: So, Your Honor, I, I, I think, in, in my opinion, it would be going to Superior Court. And, in fact, in the defendant appellant's brief, I have a recitation of why I believe the, this particular attorney's fees issue was properly before this court, the Court of Appeals, as opposed to the underlying criminal contempt
3: issue, which we are not challenging. We're not arguing. Well, I wouldn't be challenging my conviction. I'm just challenging the sanction, the 20 years in jail I got. But uh, So is the sanction akin to, like, restitution because you're, re- you're you're giving restitution to a victim of a, of a, of a criminal
0: offense? I, 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 I think it's—the way I look at this, Your Honor, honestly, is I think it's a little bit different from a, a criminal sanction, so to speak, and a criminal punishment of— The way this order came down and how the judge awarded the attorney's fees, I think, is different than imprisonment, say, for 20 years. In this particular case, the judge used a Chapter 50
3: statute in a separate hearing, 50-13.6, to make this award of attorney's fees. I understand that. I'm not going to see it, but I want to look look past what the judge cited and see what the judge did. And the judge ordered um, your client to pay attorney's fees. And is that is that a can I'm just at, is that a restitution type thing that the statute might allow? I mean, does, does I, the restitution is that, and, and if it is, is that a criminal sanction? I, I
0: don't I don't believe in this in this particular instance, and based on the language and findings of that order. And I understand you're asking to look past what the the judge did and what the judge said. Although I think as it pertains to this appeal, you really have to look at the findings that were made in the order by the judge and why she ordered the attorney's fees. I, I think this is different as far as I'm concerned, than a sanction in criminal contempt. This was a civil punishment for disobedience of an order couched under the criminal contempt statutes and criminal contempt binding. So I do think that is distinguishable. And again, jurisdictionally, how the trial court did this, and I don't think there was any argument from the plaintiff Apollee, as to the jurisdiction of this court being able to review this particular issue, which, as far as we can tell, is an issue of first impression. Uh, and maybe it is an issue of first impression because in times of the, in cases that I've seen in the past that involve attorney's fees, and one I'll be talking about today, the LaFell case, well, two LaFell cases I'll be talking about, but the cases I've seen in the past that talk about attorney's fees related to criminal contempt are also wrapped up in cases where there's an underlying motion to modify custody. And so there's already a civil Chapter 50 action ongoing, and the attorney's fees all were wrapped into this one sort of omnibus motion, as you would call it, that had a motion to modify custody, motion for contempt, etc. This, to me, was a very different and interesting procedural manner in how this was handled, because you had the criminal contempt hearing. We didn't appeal the underlying criminal contempt, and then several months later, the attorney's fees issue, which were held open, that was heard in front of Judge Mann in district court in Mecklenburg County. That's where the $25,000 award came from, and that's where she used the LaFelle cases, which were unpublished opinions, uh, to essentially order under fifty-13
3: point six a chapter fifty statute, this twenty five. Is the 000. case otherwise over? Like is the equal distribution, a, everything's been the, done? Everything's been done, Your Honor. This this
0: everything was done a long time ago. In fact I was involved in this case back in a long time ago, back in 2014 when
4: you don't look that old.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, Your Honor. Uh, I'm older than I look unfortunately. Um, but the Back in 2014, I was actually involved in wrapping up most of the financial issues in this case and was briefly involved in the custody aspect of this case. I got out in 2000, 2014 or 15 for some reasons that I cannot disclose and then came back and got involved in this in 2020 to assist Miss Greer in this particular issue. Uh, after a criminal contempt motion had been filed against her, she tugged on my heartstrings and I came back to get involved and... That's why I'm here today. But essentially, yes, everything else was done. We were only here on this custody contempt issue. And this attorney's fees order was actually the last piece of the contempt, criminal contempt.
4: But the attorney's fees order, it's not like a separate order, right? It's all in one.
0: It's a completely separate order, Your Honor. Oh,
4: I'm sorry. So there is is the order for criminal contempt that mentions it yes that cor- mentions it
0: correct your honor on april 29th or excuse me let me back up on february 17th of 2021 an order for criminal contempt was entered by the court in mecklenburg county that particular order held open the issue of attorney's fees okay. for a hearing at a later date and it wasn't until there's was a hearing in march i believe of 2020 i think it's the 22nd day of march sorry 22nd day of march 2021
4: We and had- I, I i granted so I misspoke. There's two separate orders. Correct. But the order, there's two separate orders. Um, and so that would be why you would say the criminal contempt, if you were going to appeal it, go to Superior Court. Correct. The attorney's fees. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's correct. It's because there was a separate order regarding attorney's fees that, again, was couched under 50 13.6. And that's why, again, we believe that appropriate place to appeal that issue was to this court and again there was no disagreement or argument from the plaintiff appellee's counsel
4: with respect to that but if if, if if your client were held in civil contempt yes your honor. you would say this is not a first impression and that that case of first impression and uh, would we even be here
0: uh, that is that is likely the case your honor if this was a civil contempt issue because there is case law that bears out in the civil contempt setting uh, the ability to award attorneys' fees in well in multiple areas of family law uh, and civil contempt issues. You could get attorneys' fees, child support, child custody. I'm not I'm not arguing whether or not that's, that's okay. the case.
4: Just just thinking forward. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And, and and that's that, that's a good place to go because that is a that's a big crux of the uh, plaintiff appellers' argument. That why should this be any different than? Well,
4: actually, I was just a different thought was just thinking forward hypothetically. Yeah, um, because we have open minds here. If this panel were to agree that the trial court erred in entering an order for attorney's fees in conjunction with a criminal contempt finding, and we vacated it, and we sent it back to the trial court, and the trial court has already found your client in criminal contempt, how do you expect the trial court's going to rule on civil contempt?
0: There is not a motion for civil contempt,
4: your Not Honor. now.
0: I don't if i'm not mistaken and apologize if i misquote this but i don't think that an individual and if i'm wrong about this i'm sorry but i don't think an individual can be held in both civil and criminal contempt for the same conduct so that's so in in this case i don't think that'd be an issue because the other side cannot the other side had to pick a lane when they, they started out and the lane was criminal contempt they wouldn't be able to now come back and say oh, we're going to file a motion for civil contempt for the same conduct, have her held in contempt, and then get attorney's
4: And if the same conduct is occurring later?
0: If the same conduct is occurring later, I have, obviously mm-hmm. that's a different issue. If they were okay. to file under civil contempt and it met the burdens that are there yeah. for civil contempt, could an award of attorney's fees be appropriate?
3: Okay. Possibly, but we're speculating on that okay. being an issue. No problem. Why are there attorney fees? Because what and if it's criminal, and the a prosecutor or somebody that comes in and does it, and if, if the, the prosecutor does come in, would I'm just trying to understand, why, why was there attorney's fees to begin with? I, I, that's a great question, Your Honor. I don't believe there should have been attorney's fees to begin with. I mean, I think if you
0: – it, it was prosecuted by the attorney on the other side. The prosecution did not come in. There, there wasn't a state prosecutor who came in to try this case. Let me ask you one more question. Then. Yes.
3: Because she's going to argue that 50-13.6 has been held to apply in civil but not in criminal. Well, how do we, do, how do we parse that? Because it doesn't really talk about contempt whether whether it's civil or criminal it's still part of the civil action it's just a criminal component of it why how can we read third 50-13.6 so that it will apply to civil contempt but not criminal contempt
0: um your honor there are there are some cases out there that read into because in a civil contempt action in a chapter 50 civil contempt action if the underlying and i believe i'm quoting this correct if the underlying statute that you're seeking for contempt under as it relates back to the chapter 50 action has an attorney's fees component to it, then that can be bootstrapped to the contempt issue. There is no case law. There is no law that says the same thing with respect to criminal contempt. And in fact, your honor, there are multiple cases from this court that say attorney's fees cannot be awarded in a finding of criminal contempt. Those cases being, and if you just give me one second to find
3: I've got a few right now.
0: Well, United, United Artists Records versus Eastern Tape Corporation, M.G. Newell County versus Wyrick, those are cases where this court has categorically said you cannot award attorney's fees in a civil contempt matter. Excuse me, in a criminal contempt matter. Um, and if you look at the criminal contempt statute, criminal contempt statute itself, there is no carve-out for attorney's fees when when it comes to criminal contempt. And this is, I do want to talk about one thing as it pertains to 50-13.6 because I think it is It's important to not only the underlying argument that I do not believe in this, certainly in this particular situation or any situation that a trial court judge has the right to award attorney's fees uh, based on a finding of criminal contempt, but it also applies to our second argument um, that the plaintiff penalty failed to meet their burden uh, in proving that they had insufficient means to defray the expense of the suit. I don't want to... I don't want to put labor on that. I think the brief lays out all the stats and facts around that and my third argument in terms of the reasonableness of the fees. But the purpose of 50-13.6, the reason why that statute was enacted as it pertained to child custody and child support actions, wasn't to punish. The purpose of 50-13.6 is not to punish litigants. It's to allow litigants to meet each other on equal footing. That is the sole pr- when when the statute says insufficient means to defray the cost of this litigation, that does not mean the trial court judge gets to punish another party for winning or losing. What that means is it, it is to allow litigants to meet each other on equal footing. There's nothing in any case law out there that says 50-13.6 is to be used as a sword to punish individuals.
4: In fact, you don't even have to be the prevailing party.
0: That is correct. You don't have to be the prevailing party. And one of the issues that I have that I think will become, well, one of the issues that I'm concerned about with bootstrapping 50-13.6 to findings of criminal contempt and what that, what impact that could potentially have on litigation overall, and not just family law matters, but other matters, if 50-13, well, it would have to be family law matters, I apologize yeah, about yeah. that, but 50-13.6, It could open up some doors, some very strange doors, where an individual who has had a criminal contempt action filed against them may be found in criminal contempt of certain things and not others. And it could open up the door for them to be able to come back and get attorney's fees as the prevailing party, as both the non-prevailing party and the prevailing party in issues of criminal contempt where they aren't found to be in contempt. And in this particular case itself, it could have created an issue or it could create an issue where my own client could come back and say, well, okay, if you're going to punish me with attorney's fees under a statute that is not about punishment for the one issue I was found in contempt of, I want to go back and seek attorney's fees for the two issues I wasn't found in contempt of. And I think under 50-13.6, if you bootstrap that to criminal contempt, you're going to have that available. So my concern is is tying 50-13.6 to criminal contempt is going to lead to all sorts of other issues that are unintended and should not happen. And again, the base purpose of 50-13.6 is not to punish. If you read the judge's order in this particular case, she used 50-13.6 to punish my client. That's what she did. The individual who already had an attorney when this case started, who spent in excess of $41,000 on this action who had a million dollar house, earned in excess of $300,000, had two boats, two cars, had just bought his new wife a $7,000 ring. This is not some individual who couldn't meet my client on equal footing. In fact, this was an individual who had the advantage to start off with before my client was even re-represented.
4: And that's your third argument.
0: That's my third, that, that's, that's part of my second, and third argument, but I think it, it, okay. it does come back to tie into what the real purpose of, of 50-13.6 is and why there is some danger as far as I'm concerned
3: in tying 50- 50, 50 is, is the rationale for letting people that, that, that do a civil contempt to get attorney's fees is the rationale is because they're trying to enforce the order? They're trying to compel uh, they're, they're trying to
0: compel obedience with the order and I he, here, here is one thing that I will say because I think in Mecklenburg County there has been a lot of and I imagine other counties as well, there's been a lot of confusion over what is the proper form of contempt to use in a custody matter. A lot of judges think that no matter what, if you're, if you're bringing forward a contempt motion as it relates to custody, it needs to be criminal contempt because the purpose is to punish for past disobedience. And again, tying back to punishment, 50-13.6 isn't about punishment. Now, I honestly think... You should be able, in circumstances like this, to use civil contempt to compel future obedience with the order, which is probably what the attorney in this case, the trial attorney in this case, should have done, which is well, let's not worry about Can punishing. Can you use
3: civil contempt that the person is not in, currently in, in, in violation? If, if they, no,
0: but if they are in violation, I my client was clearly in violation. Okay, so let's
3: say that my, my wife has... Let's say my wa- me and my wife get divorced, and I have every other week, and my wife doesn't give me the children that right. week. It's the middle of the week, I can go down and file a civil contempt action and enforce it.
0: I, I I think you can, Your Honor. In fact, under I think uh, uh, under the case law, I think you can. And in that situation, you're not asking that the individual be punished for their past behavior, and you cannot make up the time that has been missed for the past behavior. All you're asking is the court to enforce the order going forward and put in place purge conditions that will require compliance. And one of those purge conditions under civil contempt can be the
3: payment of attorney's fees. But if I have every other weekend and my wife, or every weekend and my wife never gives me the children, there's no way I could ever file anything because the courts aren't open. So, there, so every Monday, no, 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 the it, wife is no longer in contempt. No, no,
0: that's that's not true. Every, every single time she is in,
3: every she's single in criminal, time. She's in criminal contempt, but there's... So it's just always always a criminal. It it would always be criminal. But no, I I disagree with that. Because yes, you're not
0: looking, if she's continuing to withhold, you're bringing forward the motion not to punish, you're using the past actions of her continued violations to say, I need this order enforced moving forward. I understand the point that you're making, but I do believe you can use civil contempt to compel obedience moving forward when you have a history of someone who has not been following the order.
3: So if I have the kids on Saturday and Sunday and, and my wife doesn't give me the kids and now it's Wednesday, I can file a civil I, contempt? I, you can file a civil
0: contempt alleging that she's in violation and that she needs to, moving forward, be in compliance with the order. And those past issues, while she's not going to be punished necessarily for the past issues of violating the order, you're asking the court based on her past violations to encourage moving forward that she follow the order. Would that...
4: Just to follow on that hypothetical, just to make sure I understand. Let's say, um, this will not happen to Judge Dillon, but just his hypothetical. Let's just say Judge Dillon and his wife are divorced. His wife has withheld the kids from him for 10 weekends. Okay, now comes the 11th weekend. She withholds them again. Can he go down to court on Monday morning or Tuesday or Wednesday File a motion for civil contempt based on the 11th weekend, and file a motion for criminal contempt based on weekends 1 through 10.
0: I don't see why not, because every single instance is a different instance of contempt.
4: So in that case, you wouldn't be having civil and criminal contempt for the same behavior, but he could punish her or get the court to punish her for weeks 1 through 10. Yeah. And then use week 11 to get the civil contempt order. Yeah. To ensure, hopefully, that he's going to get to see his future, kids,
0: future compliance. So that
4: punishment.
3: And what's on- the judge going to do though? Because if I show up on a Wednesday, she's not in contempt because I don't have. They can't put her in jail because there's no way to purge it. Because well, they could put her. They could put her in jail. Under but she's the- not in contempt at that moment because I only have him on the weekend. That's my point. Could they, how could they find my wife in civil contempt if if I'm on there for a Wednesday hearing and she's I, on, I'm only entitled to him for the weekend? Because I I, I still think under the per- the purpose of civil contempt, if you look at. So what's the pur- so put well? Her- let me let me just get are her in civil contempt. They put her in jail on Wednesday. How does she purge? There's nothing to do because if they put her in jail on Wednesday, then presumably you're going to end up with the kids, right? But I'm not entitled to them on Wednesday. I'm only entitled to them on the weekend. I'm just if, if, I-
0: well. I understand that, but where where are the kids going to go, right? The state's going to the state's going to put the kid. You're going to well, get your weekend. Is the she in gonna- civil
3: contempt on that Wednesday when I'm not entitled to the kids on that day?
0: Yes, because she was she still had disobedience of the order, as far as I'm concerned. And the purpose of civil contempt is to compel compliance with the order. In her past noncompliance, you're filing civil contempt based on her past noncompliance to compel her future compliance. You're not asking that she be punished for the past noncompliance. You're asking that for the future, she comply with the order. Otherwise, there are purge conditions for her to be sentenced to jail, pay attorney's fees, etc. And I do, from Judge Inman's point, I do think you could potentially attack it in both ways. You could attack the 10 examples that she gave, the 10 instances of contempt with criminal contempt, seek that she be, he or she be incarcerated
3: for all those issues,
0: and then also potentially seek civil contempt moving forward so for compliance Wednesday, with the order.
3: So if it's the Wednesday, you say in the court could say you're in civil contempt, but they don't put her in jail right away to do that because she's not...
0: They'll, they'll, they will, typically speaking the first go around, they will give her a purge condition. One of those purge conditions is going to be compliance with the order, including making sure the kids are in your hands that following weekend. If the kids aren't in your hands, she's going to jail. Now, in criminal contempt, she could be put in jail that day on the spot. She can be put in jail. She could be fined. What she can't be done or what she can't be ordered to do is pay attorney's fees. And again, under 50-13.6, they're not supposed to be punitive. I I just, there is so much danger. I'm not going to sit up here and say, I I will say this to all three of you. I'm not going to sit up here and say that there shouldn't be some structure probably statutorily that needs to be changed to deal with this issue but the state of the law as we stand here today when you go and you file a criminal contempt motion against someone and they're found in criminal contempt there is simply no avenue no statutory avenue frankly not even any case law avenue under criminal contempt to award attorney's fees you're going to hear the appellee the plights of appellee's counsel likely talk about these two lafell cases and before i run into my five minutes i do want to briefly touch on those because the two lafell cases were used both at the trial court level uh, from a memorandum of judgment from the trial counsel for the plaintiff uh, and by the judge in her order to say well look these two unpublished cases seem to say that i can award attorney's fees as it relates to criminal content the problem in the distinguish the distinguishment between Those cases, in this case, in the LaFell cases, the attorney's fees award that was made was made in a situation where both a motion to modify, and I touched on this briefly earlier, where both a motion to modify was filed along with some criminal contempt motions. And it was all wrapped up essentially into one proceeding. And if you read those opinions, and if you also read the underlying order and the underlying attorney's fees affidavit in the LaFell case, you cannot distinguish whatsoever what fees were awarded for the motion to modify and what fees were ordered as it relates to the criminal contempt issues. Ultimately speaking, if you also read through those decisions, there is nowhere in either LaFell One or LaFell Two. I think one was a 2005, one was a 2006 case, both sides attached those cases to our briefs because they were unpublished. If you actually look at what was challenged related to the attorney's fees issue in those cases, it was not a challenge. To whether or not that whether or not the court had the actual authority to award the fees it was simply whether or not the party who was seeking the fees was acting in good faith and had insufficient means to defray the cost of the suit they weren't challenging what we are here challenging today which is can a trial court even do it
4: so it was a challenge to the for the, the typical challenge to 13.6
0: yes correct Right. It it overlooked what I didn't overlook, which is arguing that you cannot apply for 50-13.6 to this particular issue. They let that go. I don't know why. I don't know what the reason for that was. But those cases simply cannot be what I would say... You know, taking a square case and putting it into a, a circled box to try to fit it in there. You cannot do it.
4: Like and they that. were unpublished opinions.
0: They were unpublished opinions. That is correct. And there was another case, I think Baxley D. Bexley or Baxley V. Jackson that was asserted or used by the other side, which was another civil contempt case. And before I hit my five minutes, I'm gonna save that for rebuttal again to potentially talk a little bit about why I do not think you can just simply say, Well, hey look, over here we do it in civil cases, so why can't we do it in criminal cases?
1: And as just Dylan mentioned, we'll give you a little bit more time, but I've got a couple of questions be- before you sit down. Yes, yeah, sir. Sure. Um, looking at your notice of appeal at record page 625, you note that the appeal is pursuant to Rule 3. Do you have any case law where a criminal contempt um, judgment or order has been held to fall under Rule 3 as opposed to Rule 4 for an appeal in a criminal case? Um, I'm not sure I fully understand your question, Your Honor. But I, I think the, the problem comes in, you're saying under Rule 3 of the appellate rules, which is for civil cases, Yes. that this is what you're giving notice of appeal for. But under Rule 4, which is for criminal cases, and everything related to what's on appeal and this order, I, I think we're, we're dealing with a, a criminal matter, correct?
0: This is this is again where I think there is some very weird procedural wrangling that has happened here and why to, to get to the point of why I believe this is really a civil matter and again it falls back under the idea that the judge has used the chapter 50 statutes tied it as a custody action I mean, that's what essentially the judge has done this has to be a custody action to use 50-13.6 and the judge has tied that to civil I, I don't have a case for you your honor that says this, this can be couched as a civil appeal because, frankly, this, this issue in and of itself and the way this was done may very well be an issue of first impression where you have the criminal contempt hearing itself and then you have a separate hearing for attorney's fees and the attorney's fees are awarded under essentially a civil statute.
1: So is your argument that we should be treating this portion of the appeal like we treat satellite based monitoring? cases, and that that portion is civil and requires a civil appeal, yes, as that, opposed to the criminal judgment that requires That's uh, correct. Because it, 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 if
0: this, I think likely what I would have had to have done, if this was all couched under, I might have had to have done this a different way, if this was all couched under one hearing, one criminal contempt issue, and if the judge, well, I suppose the judge had used different statutes, somehow found other statutes to award the attorney's fees under, I think I initially would have had to have appealed all of it to superior court, and then gone from there in the process. Because the judge, as far as I'm concerned here, took this separate order in the Chapter 50 case using the Chapter 50 statute, that 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 particular
1: issue is right to be in front of y'all. And um, one other question. Like I said, we'll give you some more time on rebuttal. But I appreciate that, Your Honor. um, If we vacate any portion of this order... Do we just vacate that portion or do we need to remand it for a new sentencing hearing? If the trial court was considering that it might be imposing attorney's fees as part of its reasoning in giving a suspended sentence as opposed to an active sentence, um, wouldn't this require a new hearing if we say attorney's fees aren't even available and the trial court could look at doing a 30-day active sentence instead? So
0: the attorney's fees issue, the court held that open as an issue separate and apart. If you look at the two orders, held that open as an issue separate and apart from the attorney's fees. The attorney's fees wouldn't be able, it's not like a civil, even if you could do it in this case, right? It's not like a civil contempt situation where the attorney's fees are part of a purge condition to keep you out of jail. The attorney's fees would have to be separate and apart from any decision to put someone in jail as far as I'm concerned. And the judge made her punishments. Honestly, what I think the judge did was she made her punishments under what she's supposed to do in 58-12 and the statutes that follow. She made those punishments in the original order and then came back to punish my client a a second time in a separate civil action that she had no authority to do. So I don't... I think if you, frankly, as far as I'm concerned, what needs to happen
3: here... Did you make a double jeopardy argument? What's that? Did you make a double jeopardy argument? I did not make a double jeopardy argument, Your Honor.
0: Um, Again, simply, she had held the attorney's fees issue open, so she was going to consider it one way or another. But I don't think, to your question, Judge Murphy, I don't think whatever decision she was going to make as far as attorney's fees would have anything to do with the original punishment that she laid out. And just so the court knows, um, I, I feel at least compelled at this point to tell the court what was done and make sure that's on the record, but the original punishment, which I do think all of this was appropriate under the criminal contempt uh, under the criminal contempt statutes, um, she was ordered to serve a prison sentence of 90 days in the Mecklenburg County Detention Center. It was suspended on the condition that she be placed on unsupervised probation for a period of one year from December 8, 2020. Any uh, and all regular, whether statutory or other conditions of unsupervised probation, shall apply. And additionally, the following special conditions shall apply to the unsupervised probation she shall not commit any further acts of criminal contempt. She'll pay a $500 fine to the Mecklenburg County Clerk of Courts, and she is to draft essentially an essay on why what she did was wrong. So the court, as far as I'm concerned, said, all right, I'm going to go ahead and do what I am able to do under 50-12 and the accompanying statutes, but then I'm going to go and do something that I shouldn't do, and I'm going to tell you in the order that I'm not sure if I can do this and punish this person even more under a statute that is not meant to be used for punishment.
3: Well, that's my question. So she, in her mind, she was punishing at giving another punishment. Would that be, if that's true, would that be a violation of double jeopardy? Sentence, of I, it, and you it, sentence it, again. It
0: very well could be, Your Honor, and
3: I. We don't say, consider that argument because I guess that was waived, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it could be, um, but again, I. That's fine. Yeah. We'll, well, we'll let you come back. One on
1: follow that, up. Is Please. this falling under 5A12A3, where the court is authorized to do up to 120 days? I'm trying to figure out why 90 days would have been appropriate as opposed to a 30 day sentence, because there's only the one act of contempt that was found correct
0: well there was one there was one issue there's one general issue of contempt that was found there were two others where she was not found in contempt but the judge said there were i think 17 different instances of that one particular okay. issue of contempt thank you um, but yes it would have been under um, yeah it would have been under 50-a12 uh
3: and the rules that are laid out there We'll say so you still have your five minutes. You Thank can. you. Okay. We'll hear from you. And we'll give you a little more time if you need it. So. All
2: right. Good morning, Judge Dillon, Judge Inman, and Judge Murphy. Um, may it please the court. I'm Rebecca Watts, and I'm here for the plaintiff appellee, Jason Greer. Um, Mr. Glazer started with the question, can the trial court award attorney fees regarding a finding of criminal contempt? And I'm going to come at this from slightly reframing it and say that the essential question is not whether the criminal contempt statute authorizes an award of attorney fees. Rather, it's whether in a child custody case, 50-13.6 allows a trial court to award attorney fees for any part of that custody case? In other words, are we exempting a criminal contempt proceeding from 50-13.6 while allowing every other part of that custody case to be covered by 50-13.6? We believe that 50-13.6 does allow a trial court to make an award of attorney fees in all aspects of a custody case, whether that be civil contempt, criminal contempt, motion to modify, motion for parenting coordinator, Motion for judicial assistance, which is something we kind of do in Mecklenburg County um, for anything related to custody. Well, let me ask you a
3: question. Yes. And I didn't do any litigation, um, or really no, no family law. But so, if it's a criminal c- contempt case, the judge issues the order because yes. it's criminal, and they, the judge can hire a prosecutor or have a prosecutor come if they want to. So, what what role is is the attorney in this the private attorney in this case having a criminal contempt matter? Why would they even have any role? Maybe except besides pointing out to the court, I want y'all to look into this crime that was that took place.
2: And in you're
3: reporting a crime. What? Why is it more than that?
2: In my 20-something years of practice, I think I have seen one person one time say, "You need a prosecutor." Um, that is the only time I've ever seen anyone bring that up.
3: Well, if you don't have a prosecutor, can the judge just ask the questions? You've been, hit. I'm, I'm hearing that you did, or, or I guess the person that had to testify. I guess, so I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what role the attorney has.
2: Um, well, as a practical matter, whether it is civil contempt or criminal contempt, the trial proceeds in the same way. Um, it's a question of burden of proof. It's a question of whether, you, you know, can be can be forced to testify, but. So
3: you're asking your client questions. Did, did, you're asking the other, your client questions. Did, did the other spouse do blah, 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 no? And so and yes. the spouse doesn't have to testify because it's criminal, but they can They can put on evidence, okay.
2: Yes, it is the same trial, just who's going first and whose burden it is and who has to testify, but it is uh, both family law attorneys with their family law clients in front of, in Meckleburg we have family courts so in front of the family law judge. And-
3: Well, if the judge appoints a prosecutor, to, to, is does that spouse have to reimburse the state under that statute
2: I have no idea
3: or probably not because they wouldn't be held to be
2: I have I have no idea whether the
3: probably the, not because you have to show that still that that, that they're indigent or, or, or put them on equal footing or
1: assuming I, um, we accepted your kind of reframing of the question and, and logic potentially behind it. How, how do we square what might be a, a more equitable or, or more logical statutory approach with um, what our Supreme Court said in state versus Whitehead 365 NC 444 at 446 2012 case it is axiomatic that the legislature has exclusive power to determine the logical system of the state. It alone can prescribe the punishment for crime and goes on. Because the legislature has exclusive authority to prescribe the punishments for crimes, any sentence ordered by the judicial branch and enforced by the executive branch must be within the parameters established by the legislature. And 5A12, to me, seems plain and clear that these are the punishments available for criminal contempt. Whether it's a better system, whether expanding this makes sense and is good policy, how how do we square that, and how do we even begin to pretend that we can decide what's a good punishment policy?
2: Um, Your Honor, because the way, the way we are looking at it is, this is not, the attorney fees are not a punishment for criminal contempt. The criminal contempt statute clearly does not allow an award of attorney fees, but neither does the civil contempt statute. But this court has decided that in a civil contempt action in custody, we're going to look at, look at it as a custody case and not as a contempt case when we say 50-13.6 is going to allow an award of attorney fees. And so we think the same should be true for criminal contempt, that this is not a punishment. Attorney fees are not an additional punishment. Um, You know, the judge can order the fine, which is paid to the state, but um, at its core, it's a custody case. And this case and um, a lot of the questions you guys were asking, Mr. Glazer, really demonstrate how just weird and complicated contempt can be in a custody case. And the question of, you know, can someone be held in civil contempt on a Wednesday when they didn't turn over the child on the weekend prior? I think the answer to that is no, because that is in the past. You cannot compel that. Now, if it is, I'm supposed to pay you $500 on Saturday, and it is now Wednesday, and I have not paid that yet, Because that is child support that I owe you every single month then that is civil contempt because the judge can say you know what stand here right now you're going to jail unless you get out your checkbook and you write a $500 check so that is to force compliance the only thing you can do with a past missed visit is to punish that is the only thing you can do so if we're in a situation or if we're in a system where we say, you know, if it's civil contempt, we're going to give you an attorney fees. If it's criminal, we're not, then that is encouraging this exact behavior. And this is exactly what she did in this case. She says, so what if I get in trouble with the court? Who cares? She, she said that because she knew it was criminal contempt. And part of the argument was- um, if she
3: could go to jail.
2: She could go to jail.
3: Following Judge Inman's uh, example, if you have- 12 of them, you can go to jail 120 days or not, 30 days or whatever, 30 days at least, 12 times over.
2: You can. You can go to jail, and then while you're in jail, the, week, the every other week that dad was supposed to have, he'd have, but dad doesn't get to make up those eight months plus of missed visits. So
3: why is the attorney fee issue that important to, to, to make sure, why, is it, why would it, I mean, I, I would think there would be an incentive to, to, to make sure you comply with it, or you're going to go to jail a bunch of times.
2: And a lot of people are willing to risk jail go to jail, I'll go to jail for 30 days, but I've still gotten what I wanted. I still had all of Christmas vacation, and the other side did not get their well, Christmas Well, I would do that
3: too. Okay, I'll pay the $4,000, but I still got, mm-hmm. I'd rather pay $4,000 than go to jail for 30 days. Pay, I guess in my mind, but. but
2: paying the 4000 pay, paying the money, the risk of having to pay the money.
3: The <sighs> risk of going to jail is pretty bad
2: too. <laughs> it is, but in reality, there, there are not that many people who go to jail for criminal contempt and custody cases. Um, They are almost always suspended sentences on the condition that. So we do not have a jail full of people in Mecklenburg County who are there for criminal contempt for not allowing a weekend visit. Um,
1: But is that because they're doing other remedies that may not be authorized by statute?
2: Probably. And because that is something that happens very frequently in a family law case is is it criminal? Is it civil? What do I want the outcome to be? And the, the judges are trying to fix a problem and get this family back on track and get the child back doing what the child needs to be doing and, and figures out a way to do that. Um, I mean, I had, I had you know one case where it was a criminal contempt case and um, the judge at the end held him in civil contempt. It's like, okay, I'm going to decide unilaterally to do civil contempt because that lets me do what I want to do which is tell him to return the child. If I do criminal contempt, he's just going to go to jail. And um, that, you know, very weird. But stuff like that is happening in family court.
1: Is, is, oh, sorry.
2: Go, go, go ahead. I'll
4: finish up one.
1: The is, is there is Is there any case law that you can point us to in any other area that would allow for a criminal punishment that's spelled out by statute to be supplemented by another statute? Um,
2: In in the criminal context, no, Your Honor. Judge Inman,
4: you had a question? So I just want to make sure procedurally that I'm looking at the right motion, the right motion for contempt for an order to show show cause. Is page, and I'm looking, I think it starts at page 88 in the record, Um, and going on to page 109 in the record, is that the motion which brought about this order of
2: attorneys fees. Um, yes sir the, the most that is the motion okay. but then there was also a supplement to the motion that begins at page 282. Okay. Um, that was filed in November 2020 okay. whereas the original one was filed in June okay. 2020. So okay. There was so a- the original
4: updated.
2: asked that the original on page
4: one hundred nine of the record says the mother be adjudged in willful contempt of this court failure to abide by the order um, um, and found in criminal parentheses for mother's past non-compliance and or civil parentheses for mother's ongoing and future noncompliance, um, And then the supplemental motion is at page 280. Two, uh, 282 Your Honor. 282 and Um, I'm just trying to sort of do the anatomy of how we got here and understand whether there was or was not a motion for civil contempt made to the
2: court. It, It is very common to see an and or statement like that in a prayer for relief in a family law case, Um, in part because it is so confusing um, and in part because sometimes it can be a little bit of both. Um, So can you do civil contempt for an ongoing nature of it? And some of our judges will say, yes, I'm going to treat these past refusals as continuing ongoing and treat them as civil and some judges will say no this has to be criminal because it is all in the past um so i think you know they elected to treat this as a criminal contempt matter once they got to the hearing um okay and so the and
4: then in the supplemental they just asked for the same relief that was sought in the june 16 yes motion do you agree with that hypothetical we were talking about where if you have 11 past instances of the children not being delivered to the for visitation that for instances 1 through 10 the spouse could seek criminal contempt and then for instance 11 and forward the spouse could seek civil contempt
2: um, you know I, I do not think so if we're talking about you know withholding 10 weekends in a row and then after the 11th weekend I file a motion and say one through ten hold them in criminal, eleven hold them in civil. I, I, I think once the time has passed and you cannot force somebody to do it, it is criminal. I cannot file a motion on Wednesday and ask that weekend eleven be given to me because weekend eleven's already been
4: passed. Well, I guess what I'm saying is to avoid punishing this, before, before, to avoid seeking the same remedy for the for any one instance of behavior it's not so much that you would be seeking to punish for that weekend for that number 12 it was that you'd be presenting that as evidence to the court as good cause to to find that she has the ability that she's not doing it so in other words they kind of get a not a free pass but they don't get punished for that one it's used as evidence to support the civil
2: and and i I I do not. My opinion is that you cannot use civil when everything is in the past because at the time you're standing in court, there is no civil contempt because it's not my week. It's not my weekend.
4: So do you agree with Judge Dillon's question that he could never get a civil contempt, um, an order for civil contempt if, if he only gets visitation on the weekends and court's not open on the weekend? Do you agree
2: with that? Um, I I do. As weird as as that sounds, because I think, um, you know, this court has looked at a lot of custody contempt cases, a lot of them, and has has, has helped kind of fine-tune this and say, when things have happened in the past, that is more appropriate for criminal contempt and to me that is not saying that can only be criminal contempt but it is more appropriate for criminal so, contempt it, it, i'm sure there are legion of cases in which a
4: parent has been wrongfully denied weekend custody right have any of those parents been able to go into court on a non-weekend day mm-hmm. and get an order for civil contempt
2: um I, i'm sure they have i'm sure there have. so they how have. is that possible based on what you're saying Um, because I think in family law, (laughs) civil and criminal are, are so intertwined in everyone's minds. It's, we often go in and say, okay, judge, this is what I want to happen and kind of reverse engineer what type of contempt. Will allow us to do that, depending on what the judge thinks. Is it, does the judge think a past visit can be civil, or does the judge think a past visit is criminal? And it, it's a mess. <laughs> it's honestly it, contempt of family law cases is a complete mess. It just um, almost all the time.
4: Well, we have a job to do here at the court of appeals. <laughs> and we work really hard and um, try to to uh, set the record straight, say what the law is, so that. Nothing has to be reversed engineered.
3: Right. Well, uh, what was the amount of the award, the attorney fee award? Twenty-five
2: thousand. Twenty-five
1: thousand.
3: He had
2: asked for about forty-one and change, and he was awarded
1: twenty-five. Okay. I, I've got a question, yes. real quick, regarding kind of the, the second argument that he has regarding finding of fact fifty-five on page six oh seven. Reads, father is. Maintaining his and his family's household expenses on credit and by incurring debt. Is there anything in this order that would show that father was required to be maintaining his and his family's household expenses on credit and by incurring debt, as opposed to that's just his choice that he wants to run up a big credit card bill as opposed to paying it in cash out of the bank? Or liquidating assets, or whatever. Um, that, that finding, to me, doesn't support that that's, you know, a necessary expenditure or should calculate in any ways regarding his uh, the ability to, to defer uh, or to pay the attorney fees as they are becoming due.
2: And you know, I think the um, the evidence it was it was you know testimonial evidence. It was bank statements. It was bills. And um, I think you know the, the judge found. Yeah, he makes good money, but you know he lives in a million-dollar house, but he owes over nine hundred thousand dollars on it. So he doesn't really live in a you know he lives in a million-dollar house, but he's has a mortgage of nine hundred thousand. Yes, he's got these boats, but but they're you know he he has expenses.
1: And whether, a lot of those, we don't even have anything regarding what the valuation was and what the debt was. I mean, yeah, right. I, I might owe a hundred dollars on my car, or i owe twenty thousand on my car. Yep. Without that, how can we come to a conclusion of law, in a you know, review of the conclusion of the law, that he couldn't um, defer.
2: The the, um, the judge, the trial court judge, Sorry. is free to take a party's testimony, and to believe the party's testimony, um, and does not is not required to actually say, show me all of the bills and do all of the math. Um, and so he, his testimony is considered credible evidence, and there's, there's no finding that he was not credible. There's no argument that the
1: Just taking, uh, taking the boat as an example, is there testimony that he gave? I've got a $30,000 boat that has 27000 owing on it. Is there testimony to that effect?
2: Um, you know, I think there, there was testimony that he owed on the boat. I don't know if, I can't recall if there testimony of the exact amount he owed on the boat, but that he was, did not owe for them free and clear, and that was part of his. If
3: I get on the stand and say, I can't afford to pay this, and that's all I say, and the judge says, well, he can't afford to pay it, that's enough.
2: No, you're right. that is not enough.
3: Well, that's what he did, because I don't know, I don't know what his boat payment is. I don't know what his, I, I mean, I don't know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what he owes an IRS, it's just his father owes a potential tax debt mm-hmm. to the IRS, which could be zero or so why is that any different? Because we can't look. There's no math here to tell me what his monthly debt service is. And can he have, could, Is this $300,000 salary or whatever. Can it support that um, with some with some wiggle room? I don't I don't know if there is or not because he just says I owe a lot of money, but he doesn't say what it is. So is there is there a problem? How is that different than my hypothetical? I can't afford to pay this.
2: There, there is. There is a slight difference because just a bare assertion of inability to pay and just a bare finding of inability inability to defray the cost of the action, um, this court has held that that just that is not enough. There has to be more detail. And so the question then is how, is how much detail is required. Um, you know, the judge has a good amount of detail here. Um, if this court does not feel like it's enough, you could certainly... Remand for that part of it, and say, trial court, we need you to make a, you know, make additional findings about whether he has insufficient means. Um,
1: but if if there's not testimony hmm. as to what those are, anyways, do we remand or do we just reverse on that? To me, it would seem reverse because the, the moving party hasn't met their burden to present the evidence necessary for the trial court to rule on it. <laughs> Should they get a second bite at the apple to say, "Oh, it is you know twenty-five thousand on a thirty-thousand-dollar boat"? Um, if that wasn't presented in the first place. Now, if, if I, I'd agree, if, if there was evidence to that effect, and the trial court just didn't make extensive enough findings that remand be the proper remedy, but if it's not there to begin with, wh- why would would remand be a proper remedy as opposed to just vacating?
2: Um, I can just say that that is. Usually, what I see happen in attorney fee cases, if there is a defect in the, uh, if there's not enough findings for you guys to be able to tell if the court abuses discretion in the amount, um, then it's usually, for example, remanded for the court to make additional findings to justify the amount. Um, if the findings do not give you the information you need. Um, it's usually I usually see it as a situation where there's a remand to get, the, to get those findings made, um, but um, we we believe, of course, you know, this side, but we believe that the findings are sufficient that he had had insufficient means to defray the cost of the action, um, and you know, um, Mr. Glazer talked about meeting on equal footing and attorney fees being punishment, um, and whether, you know, his client could ask for attorney fees, and I think probably, either party can ask for attorney fees in a contempt case, and he said he was worried that if we allowed attorney fees in custody on criminal contempt, then that would set things up where the losing party in civil contempt could ask for attorney fees. I think they can do that anyway.
3: Can either one of y'all go back to the trial court after this appeal is over and ask for attorney's fees for this appeal?
2: Yes. Okay. Because it is a custody case. Uh, yes. Um, we could ask for attorney fees related to the appeal. Um, had not, you know, it was not kind of part of the long-term plan or anything, but um, yeah, I think it. we've already decided that when we have a contempt proceeding in a family law case. We handle the contempt remedies under the contempt statutes, and we handle the attorney fee part of it as a custody case. Um, And I think that, you know, that this 50-13.6 itself actually leads us to the result that we're seeking you know, in, in an action of proceeding for custody or support, um, the court may in its discretion order payment of reasonable attorney fees. And what the appellant is looking for is ex- for that to read except when the proceeding is criminal contempt. And we're reading it as no matter what type of proceeding it is.
3: Because um, in our jurisdiction, the criminal contempt is still part of that civil action. Some yes. states don't do it. I, I, I read it one of the Supreme Court cases said that some states don't do it. I think Massachusetts okay. says it's separate, but we hold the view that it's, it's, it's part of that civil, and that's kind of a criminal thing. I guess it's sort of like somebody getting convicted of a sex crime. That's criminal. But they could get a civil sanction, the, the satellite-based monitoring, right. where it was it's part of that. It's a civil component of that criminal thing, so you're saying it's, it's sort of the reverse.
2: Exactly, it, it is part of the civil case, and and so sometimes you see it referred to as kind of a quasi criminal action because it is part of the civil case, and it's not. Do you not have a state prosecutor in there. It is the civil attorney handling handling the criminal contempt part of the civil action. Um, I, I want to ask a question, Dillon. Did you get
1: the an answer? Yeah. Okay. Um, and let me just kind of think of how to, how to phrase this a little bit, because it just kind of came to me as we were, we were talking, and I just want to ask kind of a couple of clarifying questions. Were attorney's fees awarded for portions of the prosecution of the case for portions that he was found not to be in contempt? Was that divided out by the trial court?
2: Um, It it was not, and we can, I I think kind of my assumption is that um, part of the reason the judge didn't award the full 41 is because she was not found in contempt on all the elements, that there were some that she won on, and that the judge was, but no, but the judge did not explain her math. She does not.
1: How is that, Then I know this goes a little bit outside the brief, but I'm I'm just trying to interpret the statutes and what makes sense here, but... How would it be constitutional to hold somebody responsible for attorney's fees, for exercising their right to a trial, to defend themselves against a crime? And I think that, to me, may be what makes your request and interpretation of the statutes um, not rational in a constitutional context, given criminal punishment at play. How could somebody ever be held to have to pay for something when they were acquitted and exercise their right to a trial
2: so if they were acquitted completely and there was no found not in not in criminal contempt at all um, you're saying could, could the truck
1: or is- I mean here we have different charges I mean right. you've got charge A, charge B, charge C, D, you know, there was acquittal. Um, and when I'm looking at, if I'm remembering um, 13.6 correctly, there's nothing about prevailing party, correct? Correct. So, I, I think you can see, see my problem there is that if there's not a provision that that's only for prevailing party, then why would we draft that onto a criminal situation where somebody is getting charged for exercising their right to go to trial?
2: And I say at the end of the the constitutional issues, obviously we're not we're not made, we're not briefed. Um, so I'm just off the top of my but head. But under Wells Fargo,
1: we've got to consider anything out there when we're doing statutory interpretation, right. whether it's raised in the brief or not, and if there's an outcome of grafting 13.6 on to 5a that res- results in an unconstitutional outcome, that would be an absurd reading of the statutes, in, in my opinion. Um, and like I say, it's been on my mind only for about seven minutes. Um, but I, I want to definitely give you opportunity to, to address that as best you can.
2: OK. Um, so I get in, in my mind, I am still. Thinking of 50-13.6 as it's sep- as a separate a separate bucket that has to do with any custody action.
4: Even when there's not a motion to modify custody, even when there's not a civil motion before the court.
2: Yes, um, because 50-13.6 does not require there to be a motion. If it's for civil contempt, there does not have to be an accompanying motion to modify. It can just be civil contempt and attorney fees for that.
4: If we look at, you know, we, i asked you about sort of the dual nature of the original motion. Yes. Um, the trial court's order that's being appealed from says father's motion for attorney's fees related to his claim for criminal contempt against mother um, is hereby granted. It doesn't, on the face of it, the order doesn't acknowledge that there was a claim for civil contempt against the mother.
2: No, it, it is not. It is not. Um, <clears throat> because they, you know, like, like Mr. Gulliard said, they, they chose their lane and they chose to go down a criminal contempt lane. Um, but I, I do I do want to, very briefly, um, Mr. Glazer said that the court relied a lot on this LaFell case in deciding it was okay to award attorney fees. Um, the court does cite LaFell, but it also specifically cites 50-13.6. So even if these unpublished LaFell cases did not exist, then I think the trial court could still say that you know, they believe under 50-13.6 that um, that any custody proceeding, whether it be a motion to modify, any kind of contempt could still result in award of attorney fees. And that's the, really, we, we need that to happen um, so we don't end up in the situations where somebody just rolls the dice and says, yeah, maybe I'll go to jail, maybe I won't, but um, I can withhold this child for two years. I can withhold this child for six months. I can withhold this child every holiday. And if they're willing to pay an attorney to take me to, to have me put in jail, so be it. I still got what I wanted. And that's just, that's not where we want to be in custody cases. So my, my time is up. Um, you know, I've, I've gone an extra minute here. Um, unless your honors have any other questions i'll let
0: thank mr glazer do his rebuttal thank you honors uh just so i know how much time am i gonna have thank you. you take five minutes okay thank you honor uh i'm gonna try to kind of hit things as, with the questions that were asked in, in some sort of reasonable order or fashion but um judge inman i i think you did point out a fairly logical logical inconsistency between the civil and criminal contempt issue and i think you you get the right point there and i don't think uh the plaintiff's attorney had a had an answer how there's all this case law out there about custody for civil contempt issues. Um, yet she seems to think you can only do custody in a criminal contempt issues. So I don't I don't really know what to say about that, but that's a that's an interesting issue. But as it pertains to um, what was done in this particular case, I, I think the court had an avenue, if they so desired, to say, well I'm gonna treat this as civil contempt. And then as part of the civil contempt purge conditions of whatever the person was found, whatever my client was found in civil contempt of, I'm going to include an award of attorney's fees. The, the court didn't do that. The court clearly, clearly denoted that we're going with criminal contempt here, found my client in criminal contempt, punished her for that, and then additionally punished her with what Judge Murphy, I believe, thinks you can't do under the current statute statutory setup, which is hitting her with a $25,000 attorney's fees award. And I do have a p- couple points I wanted to address to Judge Murphy's comments, State v. Whiteside. You're right. This, to me, is a legislative issue. If the legislature sees fit to change the statutory framework, and maybe there should be a statutory framework for contempt that has to do with family law cases that is separate and apart from the general civil and criminal contempt statutes where they can build out all these different areas to make sure they're covering what they want to cover. But right now, that's not where we're at. There is no statutory framework for this. This is a judge who, in some respects, has gone rogue Using these Lafelle cases, it's true, she, she said she went rogue. Using these Lafelle cases, which couch attorney's fees under 50-13.6, so I don't think it's fair to say she didn't use those cases in making this award. Those cases were essentially we can award attorney's fees under 50-13.6. isn't it,
3: is it one purpose of criminal sanctions, I mean, one is certainly to punish, but two is, I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's maybe i saw this on tv or something one of the thing one of the things is deterrence correct so if it's deterrence and so this attorney brings this to deter your client not to violate this order why wouldn't that why wouldn't that be within i guess at least the spirit and 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 this contempt is part of the civil case and you're trying to enforce obviously civil contempt you're trying to enforce the order yeah current violations you criminal, you're trying to enforce the order of future violations by punishing for past violations. So why wouldn't 30, 50-13.6, why couldn't we read 50-13.6? Because there is a deterrence element to try to get your client to comply with this order. There is
0: a deterrence element, Your Honor. I was going to actually come to you next, Your Honor, and, and talk about the fact that you, you made the point that, well, hey, there already is deterrence in here when it comes to criminal contempt. This person could go to jail. Shouldn't that be enough? Of a deterrent, would a four thousand, or five thousand, or six thousand dollars attorney's fees award really matter if this person is facing going jail time? I think you even said, Your Honor, you would rather pay the money than wind up in jail for ninety days.
3: But does the statute allow for it? It is. I, I mean, you, the statute says if you were in, in an action, and all the statute says, as I read it, and let's, let's, let's look at the statute real quick. Um, if I can find, what are y'all of y'all citing? I can't remember. Oh, here it is. 15- yeah, I got it, 15. page 6. two. It just says, in an action or proceeding of a custody of support, and we're in that action, because the criminal contempt in North Carolina, it's part of the civil action. It's a criminal thing. If you're in that action, it says the court made its discretion order payment of reasonable attorney's fees to an interested party acting in good faith. And so this party acted in good faith. Now, we, we can argue whether the party had insufficient means. Um, it just, all it says is if you're just in an action proceeding, a party acting in good faith can get attorney's fees. So I, why wouldn't that apply here? I, I hear you, Your Honor. And I,
0: in my brief, there is a discussion of what, what our case law defines to be an action or a proceeding. And there's, all, there's,
3: well, there's a, a Supreme Court case that says some states separates out the criminal Criminal yeah. cases as a separate thing, but we don't do that in North Carolina. So we're in an action or proceeding for child custody, aren't we? Uh,
0: if, you, if you read through the brief, and I, I can take some time to kind of look through and find the part but there's a discussion about the fact that I don't agree with that I don't agree that so this we're was not
3: in this action or proceeding
0: I don't agree that this was necessarily in this action or proceeding on child custody you can't pigeonhole 15-13.6 into it but I do I do also want to say well if you if you read 50-13.6 to say well okay you can't apply it to criminal contempt it does go to the second argument which judge Murphy has picked up on which is the insufficient means to defray the cost of the litigation and there's a litany of case law that makes it clear that okay, is not to punish I, I i can read what the actual that. case law breaks out to be and to judge murphy's point though this shouldn't be remanded it was his burden to show up in court and give the court evidence of what his financial situation was if you read through the transcript he didn't do that i'm the one who had to elicit testimony from him about what he was spending money on. He submitted a couple of Visa credit card statements, most of which were paid in full. He didn't give us his mortgage statements. He didn't didn't submit any documentary evidence that really showed- I'll give you one minute to wrap up. Sure. He didn't submit any documentary, thank you, Your Honor. He didn't give any documentary evidence that really showed that he was putting, he was in a financial position where he was unable to afford the attorney's fees that he was paying. Being able to go buy $50,000 cars, being able to pay for boats, $7,000 wedding rings, he's making conscious, even if he was in a position where he wasn't able to pay his debt or his credit card debt, what have you, he's putting himself, he's making conscious financial decisions in addition to whatever he's spending on attorney's fees to put him in that financial position. He has disposable income. He was maxing out his 401k every year. This was not a person that didn't have the ability to meet my client on equal footing. And I know that's a second prong of all this, but I think Judge Murphy, to answer your question of whether this should be remanded or simply reversed, he had his bite at the apple. He had his bite. He shouldn't get a second bite when he had the the chance to show up to court that day and show that information, and why should everyone have to incur more attorney's fees when he didn't meet his burden in the first place? And the last thing I will say is I just, again, I want to make it clear, there's nothing in the statutory framework, in the criminal contempt statutes that allows for an award of attorney's fees. And the custody statutes themselves say if you want to punish disobedience, you go to 5812. And 5812 does not say you get attorney's fees in addition to potentially going to jail. Thank you, Your Honors. Thank
3: you. We'll take it under advisement. Thank you for your arguments. All right.
1: The session of the North Carolina Court of Appeals is adjourned.